Welcome to the FSU Conversation. During our regular segments, we will highlight FSU School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happenings in the industry. I'm your host, Austin Ricard, and I'm a senior majoring in public relations and also a director's ambassador for the School of Communication. Today, we will focus on the topic of life in the entertainment industry with special guest Shantira Jackson. Currently a staff writer for The Amber Ruffin Show and executive story editor for the hit Netflix show Big Mouth, Shantira's incredible portfolio of work also includes being a writer and consulting producer for the new Saved by the Bell reboot, consulting producer on CNN's She's the People, staff writer for Busy Tonight on E!, and NPR's Ask Me Another. With so much entertainment industry experience under her belt, I'm sure today's segment will be filled with some incredibly entertaining and informative insights. So, let's jump right in. Shantira, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Austin. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. We couldn't be more honored to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Oh, no worries. Well, I'm I'm always home, so I I can always find the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I I know that my brief intro doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of your past and current achievements. So would you mind giving our listeners some more information about who you are, what you do, and what you believe the keys to your success have been? Ah, sure. I'm Shantira Jackson. I'm a writer, performer, currently based in Los Angeles, originally from Tallahassee, Florida. I'm right now currently working as a writer for Big Mouth and The Ever Ruffin Show. And I think that it has been really truly being my most authentic self uh, when I try to do comedy or when I try to be a writer just in general, having a really firm grasp on my point of view and really trying to be able to display that in my writing, in my pitching, in my performances, so that if you get something from me, it really does show that it's inherently written or performed by me. I think that that has been the key to my success because if I'm always really staying true to my point of view and who I am, it's really easy (laughs) to keep doing that as opposed to pretending to be something that I'm not and then like trying to keep up that charade at a at a at job, at a job. <laughs> yeah, that's been a pretty common theme, I think, from a few of our past guests on this podcast, just being your authentic self. When you're trying to pretend to be someone you're not, that's a constant facade, like you were saying, that you have to just keep up at all times. And and really, that's that's exhausting for me, I I would think, you know? And, yeah. and so why, why even waste your time and waste the effort? Just be who you are, and there's going to be people out there that appreciate that. Absolutely. Especially in this industry, you, you work long hours and uh, it, it's really hard to want to go to work when you're like, oh man, for the next 12 hours, I'm going to have to go and just lie <laughs> about who I am or like tend to be something else. Exactly. It's like, you don't, you don't want that job. If you can't be who you are, you don't want that job, especially if it's a TV job and it's going to go for like seven seasons. You don't want to be trapped being someone you're not for eight years. Why would you torture yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So one of my favorite aspects of the school communications is its ability to provide students with the skills necessary to succeed in so many different career paths. So can you just walk us through how your journey of the school communication got you to where you are today? 
Oh, absolutely. I was a mass media studies major and I also did um, WVFS. I like worked as a sportscaster for a little while. And one of my professors, my favorite professor who still works at Florida State, Jennifer Prophet, Dr. Prophet, really helped me become what I believe a really great journalist. I went to school with the ambition of being a broadcast journalist. Uh, I even worked in news for a couple of years. And one of the things that she taught me was that when you write for the news or when you're writing for a newspaper or when you're giving people the information that they need, you know, as media as acting as the fourth estate, is that everybody from every walk of life should be able to read what you wrote and understand your point of view. It doesn't matter if you have a doctorate in physics or if you never finished the eighth grade. If I write something for you, uh, you should be able to grasp what, I, what I'm saying because that's what a good journalist is supposed to do, is to inform the public with information they need to make good decisions. So I personally didn't <laughs> like working in news. I knew I wanted to work in television, so I switched to comedy. And what I learned in order to be a good journalist, trans it right into comedy. If you want the same thing, you get five minutes on a stage, you get 22 minutes on a TV show. And the hope is that anybody who turns on that show can understand your point of view. And uh, I think that that is what I learned is that no matter what I am creating, the hope is that anybody who tunes in will be able to grasp it because your point of view is so strong and it is for everyone. So that is what has really driven me through every, everything I've done, whether I've been on stage or in a writer's room. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and really in the entertainment industry, especially with a lot of comedy, there's always those hidden underlying messages in there. I know, especially on yeah. Big that's a huge thing. And that's oh, just yeah. another aspect of communication itself. So it's really cool to see how that transferred over from your time oh, yeah. communication and now. It really, really does because I mean, like I work with a lot of social and political satire, which comes straight from, you know, news, uh, but you can't make fun of something until you fully understand it, you know, at least my personal opinion, that's my personal opinion. So before I go write a segment or before I like write a script, I try to fully understand what that character is about, what I'm talking about. If we're making fun of it, I'm trying to fully understand everything I can so that I am as informed as possible as I present this information to the world. So yeah, that, um, that's been super helpful. <laughs> super similar to everything that, you know, I do, I work at a marketing agency and that just mm -hmm. sounds like us identifying our audiences that we're trying to reach. So absolutely just super similar across the board. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that insight. Yeah. So you've obviously accomplished so much over the course of your career thus far. If you had to pick a favorite project, what would it be and why? I think right now, I really do love, uh, I think it's a tie right now, uh, the Amber Ruffin show and Big Mouth. Pretty different, <laughs> but really great in a lot of different ways. Um, Big Mouth is run so efficiently. Like uh, if I ever get to run my own room, my own writer's room, I'm going to run it just like that. They come, I get an email every day telling me exactly what I'm doing the next day. Anybody who's ever had a bad boss ever knows <laughs> that there's something great about knowing that the people who are in charge know exactly what's going on and they can delegate what you need in order for you to do your job properly. So like that room is so well run and it shows. That's why that show's been on for going on six, seven years. It's like if it was if it wasn't efficient, it probably wouldn't be so many seasons, I think. And also the room's full of really fun, great, smart people. The Amber Ruffin show is really cool because 
there are a lot of black women uh, <laughs> who get to host a late night show. So it's really cool to be able to write in what I like my own voice. So like if I was writing for Jimmy Fallon or if I was writing for Colbert, I really do have to code switch. I do have to change some things because what I can say, Jimmy Fallon can't say or probably wouldn't say, but what Amber Ruffin can say is a lot more in, in line with my point of view. So it's really cool to sit down and be like, I have an idea about something that I would say and I know my boss could do it. And that's really cool. Uh, and it's been like a really wonderful experience because as you go through, especially the entertainment industry, so many people will tell you that certain things won't work for certain audiences, right? It's like, oh, like nobody's gonna wanna watch that. Nobody's gonna wanna listen to that. But Amber, I mean, people watch it and people do wanna listen. And over the course of my career from when I like moved away from home when I was 22, I've been told that like some of my ideas, what I want to talk about just wouldn't hit the American audience. We got a WGA award. It turns out, I mean, we have a nomination right now. So it turns out that those people were wrong. So I think it's really cool to be like, I stuck to my guns. I really believed in myself. And it turns out that I was right, that there is a place for my voice. And right now it's on a late night show. And that's really cool. That's so great to hear that you really get to just be your authentic self again yeah. at work. You know, that's, yeah. there's just no better environment for creativity that way. And going mm -hmm. back to what you were saying about people telling you your ideas, it's just not going to work. What, what person that has changed the course of history has ever been told that their idea was fantastic right off the bat? Probably Absolutely. Nobody, yeah. You know, and, and, I, and something you have to keep in mind is that if you're listening for the approval of, of everyone else to validate your ideas, then you're not listening in the right place. You got to listen to yourself. What do you think is going to work? Put your perspective out there because odds Absolutely. are it's going to be different than anything that's ever been out before. Yeah, so. I, I always say that um, if, if you have a favorite comedian, you have a favorite musician, there's already um, the Beatles, right? We don't need another the Beatles. If you're trying to be the Beatles, well, guess what? You're not going to be better than what already exists. But we don't have a you. Like, we don't already have an Austin, right? So when people say we're looking for the next big thing, a lot of times they're talking about, oh, we want you to, they're saying, oh, would you please pretend to be something else? But everything that's new and big is different. And I think that that's something to keep in mind as you go into this industry, is that they might tell you they're looking for another Seinfeld, right? But they're not. Seinfeld's got it covered. <laughs> so they're looking for something that they've never seen before. And the, I'm sh pretty sure that that is your point of view, that thing that no one's ever seen. And I like to tell people to keep that in mind. So can you give us a brief walkthrough of your creative process for coming up with such entertaining content on a daily basis? So essentially, how do you keep your creativity flowing on days where you might start out with low inspiration or motivation? I think that it goes, it's two things. I'll go on Twitter, number one, and be like, what's happening? And then, <laughs> because it's just like a lot going on in the news and like whatever's hot on Twitter, a lot of times that's the biggest news story. And then I can go from there to CNN or the New York Times and get more detailed information. So like, I'll just go and see what people are talking about what's happening in the world. Uh, if I'm not trying to do something news-based, I'll really just sit and think about what is going on in my mind or what I think is interesting right now. And then I'll try to do something fun with it. So I think that um, those are the two things really. It's just that 
whatever I think is funny at the moment. So I saw something funny. I like had a conversation with my friends and we did some, you know, bits and jokes. I was like, oh man, that's really funny. I think I might write a script about that. Or I'll just read the news, especially for Amber Ruffin, since it is topical and news-based. A lot of that's written based off of what is happening in the news. So those two things help me, um, especially when I'm not motivated uh, to go look on the internet and see what's going on. <laughs> I feel like coming from an outside perspective, comedy must be just so difficult because of how reactionary it really is. You're Absolutely. having to, on the spot, you know, you might think you have a fantastic joke, but then the next day something new comes up and it's something you have to talk about in your segment. Absolutely. And, or, and- there's so many shows, you might have had the perfect joke if the show came out, our show is weekly, so it comes out on Friday. That means that Monday through Thursday, all those weekly shows have a chance to say everything that we've already said. So even if you had a good idea, there's nothing new under the sun. There's too many people in the world for you to genuinely think that your joke is the only person, you're the only person who ever thought of this, this take. So uh, some of it is also about the timing. <laughs> Which is a huge factor in comedy. Yeah. All right. So something I like to touch on in every single segment is the topic of lifelong learning. So where or who do you turn to to continue your commitment to lifelong learning? One of the things that I like to do is to be open to absolutely knowing that I do not know everything. And I think that you have to really move your ego out of the way, even if you've been doing something for a while. There's always someone who is an expert in something that you are casually reading. I think The internet has made people think that they're actually experts of stuff that they've read two articles about. But um, to be a lifelong learner is to kill your ego and to fully grasp the idea that I am smart enough to know that I'm not the smartest person. And I think that that will lead you into so many places. Being open to knowledge or information or just advice that people have to offer, whether it's how to make bread or how to plan your next script, outline your next script. So I think that has been the thing for me is to be smart enough to know that I'm not the smartest person at everything. That's such an important point because if you can't push your ego aside, then you're maybe not going to address the areas that you really need to improve in the most. Because if you just keep improving in areas where you're already great on because it's just the easy thing to do, and that's really not benefiting you or the rest of you know, the people that you interact with at all. Absolutely. And I think that like, especially in this industry or in an industry, I know exactly what I'm really good at, you know, Uh, knowing your skill set, knowing your role and knowing that when you get to an office, when you get to a writer's room, when you get to a new job that um, they've hired a bunch of people, you don't have to be everything. You were hired probably for your specific, really pinpointed skill set. And if you know, again, I think it goes back to your point of view and who you are and what uh, you're really great at. You know what I mean? If uh, we talk about maybe Florida State football, if you're like a fantastic shortstop, you wouldn't like walk on the football team and be like, well, I got to know how to do all this stuff. It's like, no, know your role, right? So when you go into a writer's room, what are you great at? Are you good at uh, knowing how to break down act one, two, and three? Are you a great joke person? Are you a great person to understand the emotional arc of a television show? Because you get a writer's room, there's 12 people. You don't have to be great at everything. You just need to know your role. And I think that that will just really guide you through everything that you do. Thank you so much for that incredible insight. That was, that was a great point. 
So on a more personal question, I, I would just really like to know what it's like to be inside a writing room for like a show like Big Mouth. How, how did the ideas come about? Like what's sort of a regular day in the, in the writing room? I mean, one of the great things about that show is absolutely the leadership is that um, they, the producers, the people, I call them grown-ups. <laughs> the grown-ups, you know, the people who meet before, uh, before we come to work and meet after the writers leave work. They uh, do a really great job of having a list, a plan for what the day is. And we hit those things. Like, oh, we're going to work on these scenes. We're going to work on these characters. We're going to do this today. And it's like, great. All right, let's do it. And I think that that has been really cool. That's been a wonderful experience to to go into a room and be like, okay, great. Uh, that room also is a lot about our own personal experiences, like as preteens, our own stories of puberty. But when I worked at Saved by the Bell, it was more about the social uh, dynamics in high school. So those kids are a little bit older than the students that are um, in the animated show Big Mouth. So knowing that when you go into a room, what that room is looking for and what your role is, is in that room. I'm a really good joke teller. I did improv in Chicago for almost a decade. So I'm really good at coming up with jokes that punch up scripts and seeing what's happening like in the moment. Some people are really great at being able to think about the entire 30 pages of a script. That's not my vibe. <laughs> but I also know that's my role. In the Amber Ruffin show, we do a lot of social political satire. I'm really good at things that are kind of like news segments. Uh, kind of like Seth Meyers does something called A Closer Look, where you pick a news story and you really dive deep into it. John Oliver does it too. Uh, and uh, it, you uh, combine news research with jokes. I'm really good at that. So I do those segments a lot of the times on the Amber Ruffin show. So it depends on what type of room you're in. But if your leadership is really good, you will know their expectations of you. And you'll also go into the room knowing what you can bring. So I think it depends on what kind of room you're in. But I think at the end of the day, knowing what your skill set is and bringing that to every room that you go to, you're gold. Wow, that's that's so cool. Thank you for that inside look. I've always wanted to know what the inside of that room looks like because you see the show and, and it's so funny, obviously, but you just there's so much work that goes into that. So many scenes that were made that didn't make the cut that, mm -hmm. you know, just I, I just I was always curious about that entire process and how that really goes down. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, that room, especially Big Mouth, I say people are like, how do they do that? You... Uh, are really honest and open and that goes back to the leadership too is that they hired the type of people because if you're in a room full of somebody who's going to make fun of you when you tell your puberty stories you're not going to get a good show you know what I mean you have to be in a room full of people who are kind and open and willing to give a part of themselves so that we can create this show that really helps a lot of kids and adults too so I think that a lot of what happens when you watch television comes down to the leadership and the people who hired the writers. I've been really fortunate to have really great leadership. Who has killed their ego, right? If you're a great leader, you know that you need to fill your room with people who aren't just like you because you don't know everything. And that, I think, is really a key to success for any job. You know what I mean? If, I, I, I do like to think that everybody's had one bad job. <laughs> and a lot of times it comes down to your leadership having such a big ego that they're not uh, willing to take advice from someone who's uh, below them or right next to them. They only hire yes men. Uh, so I think that um, a lot of my really great experiences 
have come from bosses who fill their spaces with people who can still teach them things. To me, comedy is, is really the most interesting genre because it really gives you the luxury to talk about things that people just don't talk about. Absolutely. The news isn't going to talk about it. You know, it, it, you can really dive in on concepts. It makes people uncomfortable, but it's funny. And that's what it's yeah. meant for. And everybody understands that. And you can really dive into issues that just are really sort of being tossed to the side that need to be talked about. Yeah. I always say that it's kind of like, oh, if you need to feed a, like give a, a, a pill to a dog, you like put the pill in the cheese. And I think that comedy is like the perfect way to like give somebody a really great breed, but you like give them like a little pill to help them like work on their emotions or like their relationship with their parents. And it's like, if it's surrounded by some really great comedy, you can get some really heartfelt, informative, like informative pieces out to people who probably would not be actively looking for that information. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Shantira, that's all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. This segment is about to come to a close. As always, make sure you follow at FSUcom on Twitter and FSU Communication on Instagram for more information on future podcast segments and everything else the School of Communication has to offer. Also, be sure to check out all of Shantira's past and current endeavors on her website, Shantira.com. So, until next time, from all of us here at the FSU School of Communication, and be sure to always remember to keep the conversation rolling.